Bible study and continue to study in the Word of God. Uh, as I shared with you, that we were going to be bringing some really dynamic classes and teachings to you. Uh, we're going to be in the subject of the character of God. Uh, we'll be on this for several weeks. I want to invite you to be a part of this week after week. But more than that, I want to invite you out to come in and be a part of the service. We're located at 1101 Delaware Street in Newcastle, Delaware. Here in service, again, Bible study will be an interactive. You can be a part of it. You can ask questions. So we want to get you in so you're in the presence of God. And uh, I just think that this is a great place uh, to be. And we need to get back out and get into the service. So I'm inviting, if you, particularly if you're a member of Harvest, you need to be in, in service. And if you are a Bible-believing person who wants to gain the knowledge of God, this is the place to be. So again, inviting you out to be a part of it. So tonight, we're going to be talking about, again, we're in studies of uh, the character of God, uh, how they're infinite, eternal, universal, divine. Uh, there are a number of words we can use to describe it. But tonight, the particular subject matter is going to be God is unchanging. And so we want to talk about the unchanging ways, the unchanging character of God. So please get your paper and pencils and pens out to take notes. I believe there's going to be some nuggets that you can gain and grow from. So we want to start the introduction is if God is always changing, how would we ever be sure of our relationship with him? That's the question, right? How could we trust him to stay true to his word? Question mark. But we know that God is unchanging and he is true to his word and God's not a man that he can lie. So one of the things that's important is that although our times are changing, God himself is not changing. God's word was true yesterday, it's true today, and it will also be true tomorrow. That is real truth. The real truth endures time. It doesn't have anything to do with time, as God doesn't live in time. And so, if he was a changing God, it'd be dreadful world, wouldn't it? So we would not even be able to trust the sun to come up tomorrow morning. But the sun comes up day after day. Uh, morning after morning. I love it. Uh, even on cloudy days, although you can't see the sun because it may be blocked by a cloud, the sun comes up. It continues to shine no matter what. It continues to come up according to the clock, according to the time in which we live, and the moon comes consistently. They bear in place, right? So, here it says that uh, he told us to do Yesterday would be pleasing to him today. What he rewards us with for yesterday, he might punish us with for today. God's word says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. God does not change. His truth does not change. His character does not change. His ways do not change. So his purpose do not, does not change. I love that. Although man sinned, in, uh, you know, Adam sinned in the beginning, God's intentional purpose from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 is still the same today. He's never deviated from his purpose for man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion over the earth. That has never changed. Although we fail uh, in many areas and even today failing in some of those places, his purpose and plan for us is to continue to operate in what he left us to do. So we're going to start tonight, I want to talk about God's life does not change. 
So the first place we're going to go is in Psalms chapter 90, verse 2. It says, that Before the mountains were brought forth, even you had formed the earth and the world, and even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I love uh, the beginning in Genesis when we hear God uh, speaking to a place that's without form or void. He speaks to it in such faith that it has to be. Everything he says comes to pass moments after he finished saying it, it comes into play. And so where there was darkness, he brings light. Where there was without form or void, he brings uh, a framework, a structure. Okay, and he continued to do that. And even the, the earth, which is made up of three quarters of it is above water, he even takes the water and separates the water from the water. And so I love everything. And here's when we get down to the last or the sixth day, we find out the very thing that he created, all the other things ahead of it, he did on purpose. Because without them being in place, without their order, man would have never been able to survive on the earth. Trees produced the oxygen. He took the water and separated the water from the water. Well, what does that mean? Well, he left the salt water away from the oh, the sea. Um, I'm sorry, the river water, which is drinkable. Okay, so but salt water, if we had to live on that, we couldn't live because salt water is not something we can inhabit and drink on a regular basis. It would be more harmful than it would help them. So God just did everything and put seeds inside the seeds of the trees. The trees bear forth fruit. Herbs, nuts, berries, everything we needed to live. And he took care of the animals as well. Everything they needed. So here, we look at that. Uh, before the mountain were, he said he brought forth the everlasting and formed the earth. And he created things from the beginning and the end. And in ending, but not sort of their, their creator. Uh, we say that again. Created things have a beginning and an ending but not their creator. So everything that God creates has a beginning and an end. In other words, it's subject to a time. And so, but the creator is everlasting. He's before time, he's before anything we know. Um, he's eternal, uh, the best way I can put it. So the question is, who made God? And the answer is God doesn't need to be made. He is God, he is I am, you know, and uh, we have gone through history and challenges throughout the world. Um, and then the, the brighter we get, I, I said sometimes the stupider we become. Because you got so many people trying to disprove the word of God. And so they're spending more time trying to disprove it than to prove it to be right. Um, so they've gone out of their way to try uh, to question of, uh, about God. So we have theories about the Big Bang Theory. We got... Uh, got Darwin's uh, impression of uh, what things were, you know, all these things that they try to live on that they know will pull a hole. Uh, but one thing, you know, at the end of the day, we cannot prove or disprove what God has said. So I believe the word is still standing, the word is true, and will be true and everlasting forever. In fact, in today's world, when we have AI intelligence in place, you can put people in place and do things that you can imitate people voices, you can do all kinds of things. But the one thing they will not be able to do is be God. I love that. As much as they're attempting to try, they will never become him. And so our God and his character, his ways are important.
So God does not grow any older. He does not gain any new power, nor loses them. And that one of the things that's important for us, uh, many of us, you know, as we hear and equate the enemy, the devil, we try to equate him as an equal. Well, I need you to understand something. The devil is not God's equal. In fact, the devil himself is a created being. He was created by God. He just, he rebelled, and at that point, God kicked him out of heaven. So he's a created being, just like you and I. He was just created. He was one of his chief angels who had been most decorated in his uh, instruments and his beauty until now he has operated outside of the will of God and he had to be removed from heaven. That's where the first sin occurred. And so we know that uh, as we study the scriptures. And then so from that, he also took a third of the angels with him. Those angels no longer hold the title of angel. They now hold the title of demon. So what was good is now turned bad is demonic. So uh, that's the portion that you see. And I, I like to tell people this too because you need to understand that God created the universe and then creating the universe he created good and bad. Good and evil. But his intent for man was all good. His intent for man to experience was just the fruit of the land, the blessings of the land. But it was our own endeavor and our own will and will power that took us to the place of sin and then now being exposed to the place of good and evil or let me say both sides of the fence uh, being there to the place where now that evil exists in our world and even life has an end to it and they prior to that had that method we would have lived forever but you know beyond that the, you know that was a choice that was made and now we have to live with it so God doesn't grow any older. He does not gain any new power or lose them. He does not mature, develop, or get stronger or weaker or wiser. He is as wise as he will ever be and can't get any wiser. But uh, again, no one can know the bounds and the depth of who God is and what he knows. It's that much. He cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect. So he cannot change for the worse. He is unchangeable and can never cause he never ceased to be what he is. So God can't change to be anything else. He will always be God. He is God. And he's unchanging in his ways and his attitudes and his attributes. So we see here the, the next phase of this God's character does not change. So we first started talking about the number one place was God's life does not change. Now we're going to deal with his character. And those are characteristics about who he is. And so God's characteristic character does not change. From Genesis to Revelation, he does not change. Same God. When you study the name Jehovah, you will find that he is the same character in Exodus as he is in James. So Exodus is a part of the Old Testament, James being a part of the New Testament. And we find that God's character is the same in an Old Testament version and in the New Testament James. It's the same character that he's displaying. He's not changing and giving James something newer because it's 2,000, 3,000 years later, but it's the same character. When you see that, so, and, and the, the third place we're going to go is God's truth does not change. This is what I love, especially living in today's world where people are saying, my truth, your truth. Well, if your truth is not a truth for me, then it can't be true. 
truth is crosses all barriers, crosses all lines, all boundaries, all depth, all height. Truth has no, uh, it's just truth. It is what it is. I tell people I like to use the simple terms of one plus two is three. I can do it backwards, two plus one, and it still is three. The truth is that can't change. It is what it is. And those, 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 those numerical boundaries in which it exists will always be the same. Now, you know, you want to call it something else, you can, but the truth is it's not that. And that's where we are now. So we're in a place now in a world where right is no longer right. We can, we can identify right and call it wrong, and people believe it. We can change identity in terms of who we want to be and what we want to be, um, all those things. But that's not the truth. The truth is you are who you are. Now, you can be and do what you like, but you are who you are and who you were created to be. And so God's truth is not changing from that perspective. So God's word stands forever. No circumstance will require him to change them. No changes in his thinking prompts him to change his own words. Psalm 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Ah, don't get any better than that because according to the scripture, he said, as it is in heaven, so shall it be in the earth. So if his word is settled in heaven, it's also going to be settled in the earth. Isaiah 46, 46 through 8. Okay, again, we got multiple scriptures to back up what it is we're saying. Here tonight, I want to give you a vast number because, see, I want you to be clear on what the Bible saying about God's unchanging ways and God's unchanging truth, God's unchanging life, God's unchanging character. These things are backed up by multiple, multiple verses throughout the Bible, both old and new. So in Isaiah, we see verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. The voice said, cry out, as he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all of it is loving. Lovingness is like a flower of the field. In other words, scripture is there, the grass grows for a moment, and then it will stop. Also, flowers grow and they bud and put out a flower. But at some point, the flower will fall off and die off. And then the next year, or even within the same season, produce another flower. So depending on what kind of flower, what kind of plant it is, uh, whether it's an annual or uh, a flower that's just used um, that just for that season, the annual will come back again the next year. All right. So the grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people are grass. In other words, you know, we go through stages and phases in our life as we grow. Um, we grow, we were once babies and we grow old. Um, we were once small and now we're a little bit bigger. Uh, so the grass will wither, the flowers will fade. The word of God stands forever. Verse 8 says, stands forever. So that's important because now that also disproves uh, some of the people that are saying that uh, God couldn't see this far in time. 
And God didn't, so because our times have changed, they say that the word of God is not relevant. Well, the scriptures clearly say here, I mean, these aren't my words, the scripture says, but the word of the Lord of God stands forever. So last I understood, forever meant forever. It meant that, so we're living in 2023. So God's word that was in uh, 123 is not changed in 2023. It's still the same. It's still relevant. It still fits our lives. Okay? The way we talk and the way we communicate may have changed, but the word itself has not changed. And so that's a, you know, a clear indication that truth itself does not change. And number four, God's purpose does not change. So I took you we were going through, so we went through life, character, truth, and now God's purpose is number four. Does not change. So 1 Samuel 15, 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent. For he is not a man that he should relent. Okay, that's 1 Samuel 15, 29. So his purpose is going to remain the same. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Uh, if God said it, it will be done. God has continued to do what he says he does, and he backs it up. And then repent, revising one's judgment, and changing one's plan of action. That's what repent equals. So, you know, one of the things he's telling us is, is again, as we're coming Kingdom lovers teach and preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, and what do we need? Want people to do to repent and receive Jesus as Lord. As they do that, they can be forgiven for their sin. They can walk with God. Now they can take what was, and now that old man is dead. New man comes alive, and again, God's grace and mercy has made that possible. And what I like is by receiving Him, He now can now justify you. And that whole piece there is like, how do you get from place of being a sinner and now being a saint and being justified to do what it is you do. Well, your justification comes out of God from receiving him. And so, and because his character uh, of love, his character of truth, um, all exists and are in place even right now, he's displaying his love and his mercy for us when he opens up the door and gives us an opportunity to repent and turn from our wicked ways and turn to his. So purpose has not changed. God's plans are made on the basis of complete knowledge and control that extends to all things, past, present, and future. So God's word uh, does penetrate and retain the things from the past, does pertain to things of the present, and does pertain to things of the future. But we only live in one place, and that is the now. The now is the present. And so because we're in the present, we need to be able to decipher. So here again, somebody might say, well, oh, that was the word of God in the old days. Well, I'm not talking about a particular conversation that he had with a group of people under a certain term. When he's talking to the body, his word is relevant for today's action. Uh, clearly, I can see and read the word of God that's relevant uh, to today's. When he said to me that wars 
and rulers of war would come. Well, it is happening uh, in our world right now. When he talks about men would be lovers of themselves, well, it's happening right now. Children would be disobedient to parents. It's happening right now. These are things that were told to us. We know that they're, you know, they're happening. And so his purpose is not changing, but he has continued to get put his plan in place so that you and I can have a way of escape. So thus God is determined to show more abundantly to the heirs. Who is the heirs? Us of promise, the immobility, the immutability of his counsel and confirm it by his oath. It is true that there are some scriptures which speak to God repenting, but the references in each case is reversal of God's previous treatment to a particular man. Consequences upon the reaction so that to that treatment. That's why he did that. Not that he did anything wrong or bad. Um, so, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth. And as he did that, after he took my fault, and he was grieved in his heart because he saw man fail. Yet his mercy, grace, grace had a plan in place. And by the time we get to Genesis 3.15, he's declaring what the, the seed of a woman would do to, to the enemy by crushing his head. And so the Bible tells us that and uh, how important that is and his love and mercy kicks in. So there's no suggestion that this reaction is foreseen. He knew when he made man that this was going to happen. His purpose to his children did not change. And I mentioned that. God did not change even when we sinned. So I want to um, encourage you. Although you may have done some things in your life, you may have missed some things in your life, God's love for you hasn't changed. He still loves you today. He still wants you in his sheepfold. He still wants to see you fulfilling destiny. He still wants you to bring fulfilling purpose. None of that has changed or varied because he doesn't change in his ways nor of what he has declared and expects from your life. So, Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says, So rend, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and great kindness and is relent, relents from doing harm. In Jeremiah chapter 29, I talked about that today earlier, one of my favorite scriptures. He said, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil, and that you would have an expected end. In other words, God's word is tied completely to your obedience and as you follow that he will guide you to an expected end. In other words that you would be connected to him throughout the ages as you walk in obedience and obeying his word. That's why I share with people my biggest thing is knowing God and being obedient as a human being because the more obedient you are to the word of God the greater your walk with God and your fulfillment of your destiny purpose, it will be played out and fulfilled. So, sharing that, um, we want to get to number five here. God's son does not change. In other words, God the father versus God the son doesn't change. So, he is, uh, Deuteronomy 32.4 says, he is the rock 
His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, and do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. I tell people all the time, you know, I was guilty, yet God's through salvation and then the kingdom is allowing me to come in. He removed me from that life to this life by releasing me from the guilt, the pain that I was in and going through. He released me now and justified me to be a part of the kingdom because under his righteousness, I now can walk as a child of God. So can you. To talk to you about the character of God. And when you see him throughout the Bible, although he may be in different character plans, and I call that just like a movie, different parts, but it's the same God. Okay? There's times when he has to be a warrior. There's times when he has to guide you to be a loving father. There's times when he has to stand strong and be the commander-in-chief. And there's times when he just wants to guide you by a still small voice. Those all exist in the kingdom of God in due time. So God's purpose never alters. We can change our minds. We can change our plans through the lack of foresight. As God is both omnipotent and omniscient and omnipotent, there is never any need for him to revise his decree. No, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts is of his heart for all generations. I love that. So now, this generation, uh, as though many may be struggling with it, and many in this generation may not even know who God is or know his name. Yet, the Bible just declares to me the God of word, the God of word, is available to everybody. So, um, as we now understand that, how to bring technical difficulties, uh, so if you just stand by a minute, uh, we'll get this. saying something right. Uh, so to put a stop to it. But we're going on. We're going to move on. God's son does not change the world we're dealing with. Saying he's a rock. His ways are perfect. His ways are just. His God of truth and without injustice and righteousness. And Malachi says, for I am the Lord and do not change. Therefore, even I uh, am not. And therefore, you are not consumable son of David. So the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are to all generations. Let me say that again. The plans of his heart are to all generations. He didn't plan this for the first generation or the second generation. He planned this for all the generations, every generation to come. So herein, solid comfort, human nature cannot be relied upon 
but God can be relied upon. However, unstable ways may be, however fickle even our friends may prove to be, God changes not. You know, that's one of the most amazing things to me when we talk about fickleness in people. I'm glad God doesn't change. But uh, there's some people I know that'll believe a lie quicker than many before they will the truth. And uh, we're watching that play out now in our world. You know, instead of standing on the truth of what we know is and was and is in place, we're willing to believe something uh, and kind of act like it didn't happen pay like it doesn't exist. We know that's not true. But nevertheless, it's going on in our world. Isaiah 54 10 says, For the mountain shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you, nor my covenant of peace be removed, saith the Lord, who has mercy on you. Those who defy him, break his law, and have no concern for his glory but live their lives as though he exists not. Must not suppose when at the last, when at last they shall cry to him for mercy from the pit of hell, there shall be an altar. He will revoke his word and rescind his awful threat. No, he has declared different. In other words, his word is true. He spoke it into being. Uh, we find it with people. I like to talk about the one the evangelist from hell. Um, he's the gentleman that says he recognized Lazarus from afar off. And he says there, and he says, that listen, God, if I could only go back and tell my brothers. So he wanted to go back and tell his brothers about the truth so that they didn't wind up where he was in hell. And uh, that's in the Bible there, the scriptures, and so I talk about that. I call him the evangelist from hell. In Ezekiel 8.18, Therefore I also will act in fury. My eyes will not spare, nor will I have pity. Though they cry to my ears and loud voice, I will never hear them. And this is reference to hell and those that I've defied and decided not to obey the word of God. This is what disobedience will bring. And so we're not trying to send anybody to hell when God's word and grace and mercy is for everybody and for every generation. In other words, he wants to love on you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to become and fulfill your purpose and your destiny. So God will not deny himself to gratify their lust. God's holy unchanging is that he hates sin and his own children and you and me. He is a tender, loving, and forgiving father. To the rebellious sinner, he is a consuming fire. God wants us to know him. God does not reveal himself to man just the same way that man, he would not, does reveal himself to man just the same way man reveals himself for man which was made in God's image. Man shows himself by his words and his work. God, unlike man, does the same. The perfect revelation of it is the course of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the express image of his person. God's nature and fulfillment, fullness, which through they are perfectly revealed, Jesus would go be beyond our vision, except for the help that the Bible gives us regarding God. He cannot fully speak of himself under a single name or one title. And I love that. 
tonight I'm going to be uh, going into the next place, uh, my, my sixth topic of the night, and that is the names of God. And uh, we're going to stay there to, and just finish in the names of God. Listen, so this, this is important because as we study these names, it's like um, bits of stone that have come from different quarries and a pattern and figured out a form like uh, an elaborate mosaic uh, put together. They show that the work is not mere chance of collection uh, or discoordinating atoms, but this is superintendent mind that has arranged and planned and with a special purpose. This is so important. So God our Father is the maker, the judge, the savior of all. So to reveal his nature and his relationship to those who do not know him, he must do it through many ways, each of which can only tell us parts of his glory. And so when we're talking about the names of God and understanding the character of God, I'm not talking about a different God. He's just revealing another part of who he is and what he can do. And so the first four names in which God reveals himself to man are found in the early chapters of Genesis. So we hear about the word, we use the word God. So God in Hebrew means Elohim. So let me see. God is the American or the Eastern term word that we use, but in Hebrew it's uh, it's said as Elohim. The next way God reveals Himself is the word Lord. We see that Lord, but Lord in Hebrew is Jehovah. So these are very important. You want to equate this? So you God is revealed and he's Elohim. And second way we see God is Lord, and Lord is Jehovah in the, in the Hebrew. And then when we see it reveal itself in Almighty, that equates to the Hebrew word El Shaddai. So these are names in which are used in the earlier times that God uses um, to express who he is. So there was times when he was God, Elohim. There's times when he was Lord Jehovah. He was providing some. Then there's times when he was he was acting almighty. And by the way, uh, good term, every time you see L in front of one of his names, it is a term of strength and power. That it, that exactly. So he was here, almighty, El Shaddai. And the fourth way we see him is the most high. El Elyon. This one uh, it's just uh, to me, they, they get more and more, um, I don't even know how to say it, but it's just, they're, they're powerful. And so when he was revealing himself as the Most High God, he revealed himself as El Elyon. That is strong. And so, and as the Hebrew, again, I, I gave you four different names. God, Lord, Almighty, Most High. And then in the Hebrew, Elohim, Jehovah, El Shaddai, and El Elyon. Again, those are four different gods, same God, uh, just revealing himself and his characteristics of who he is in a different manner in which the people could perceive him, grow from, receive him, and operate in. And so those are important. So when you hear and see those things, or when you see them in the Bible, you see him acting as God, Elohim. You see him acting as Lord, Jehovah. When you see him, Almighty, El Shaddai. You see a most high, it's 
El Elyon. These names are all revealed distinct attributes and characteristics of God. The first four names tell us what, what God is. In every age, they have been the rest and refuge and the comfort of his people. Listen to that. In every age, these have been the rest, refuge, and comfort of his people. In the book of Psalms, we find it all, con all constantly repeated. In one place, we have all four within the compass of two verses. Psalms 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai. Verse 2. I will say unto the Lord, Jehovah, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, my, in other words, Elohim. In him will I trust. So Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2 encompasses all four of those names in those two verses. So here we are with three other names that are described. The names describe God's relationship to certain things or persons rather than his nature. And so the Lord Ananiah. So the Lord here is the word Ananiah in Hebrew. That's a relationship to a person. Okay. Everlasting God. El Elohim in Hebrew. So again, that's everlasting God. And the third one is the Lord of hosts. We've heard of that. And that's Jehovah Sabor. Again in Hebrew. Let me be on them again. Lord is now equated to the Hebrew word Ananias. Number two, everlasting God is El Elalah. And that's O L A N. And then verse three, uh, the second one is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabora. S A B A O T H. Okay, important. So seeing him in these different names, different characteristics, again, these are describing relationship to a thing or a person. Where before we were referring to God's names in nature and what he had done. And then there's 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 other names, there's multiple, there's over a hundred names that we can see throughout the Bible. But all these very names are only the result of his being what he is. So wonderful and manifold that, that no one name can adequately express what one apostle called him the fullness. I think the best name that is uh, for God is one that we understand really well in American terms or Western terms, and it's called I am. I am what you need when you need it. That's one of the greatest uh, names that I think most people can feel comfortable with and know. I am is present in their life. So here goes some eight more names. Uh, these are all with the predicate, with the the, uh, the foreword of to Jehovah. And so Jehovah uh, also means Lord. So Lord Jireh. So it's Jehovah Jireh. That happens to mean God my provider. And so we see him as God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God my healer. So again, these are different places or ways that God 
Uh, we understand our relationship to it. Uh, there's times when he's just been Jehovah Jireh, my provider. There's times when didn't feel well, yet uh, it was him that created my body, his temple, and he healed it. So Jehovah Nisi, the Lord God, my banner. The Jehovah Mishkanu, okay? All of these terms, these are four more, I believe there's four more, uh, I know there's four more. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, my peace. Jehovah Tiskadu, and the Jehovah Rahi, okay, and the Jehovah, and last one is Jehovah Shema, okay. There were eight different versions of Jehovah with another word behind it, um, and each of them meaning Lord in a different manner. The Lord of peace, the Lord my banner, the Lord my healer, the Lord my provider. Um, so these are crucial and I encourage you to get to know them as we are learning the character of God uh, these are these are some fundamental things that I want to lay the foundation uh, my prayer is that you tonight took some notes and wrote down some things um, because this is crucial to your growth and I want to see you grow I want to see you strengthen and so I plan on uh, in the coming weeks to continue in this series I'll be back next week with the portion of knowing God, uh, which is, I think, is the, one of the most crucial things of our being today, is getting to know who God is. I think there's some people who heard about God. I think there's some people that may be fans of God, but don't know Him. And so I want to get you to a better relationship of getting to know Him, because I've read in the scripture that He wants these mysteries, He wants His Word to be known. By who? By you. He wants to share it. And that's how he talks to you by revealing his word and speaking to you by allowing it to take place in your life and so the character of God is an awesome thing to get to understand and to know as you'll get to know him in a better way that is my endeavor that is my goal uh, through this ministry and this work that he's called me to so I hope you come and tune in again next week with me to be a part of this work uh, here with the character of God, getting to know Him in a greater way. And so, and I will share this with you. Some of you are seeking to discover small things, things in your own life. Well, I've discovered that the greater I get to know God, the greater I get to discover and know myself, who I am, and whose I am, and what I'm called to do. Everybody wants to know the what, the why, and the how. Everybody. Every human being, every creature. So let me share with you. It's in His Word. It's in Him. In Him I live, move, and have my being. He's designed me on purpose, with a purpose. That's why no one else has my fingerprint. That's why no one has my DNA chain. It is exact order. So, want to encourage you getting to know Him. We will share more of that with you next week. So, I invite you out. Here with me at 1101 Delaware Street. Come be a part of what we're doing here at Faith Harvest, at the Harvest. So come join me. Come be a part of it. Uh, we're getting ready to close on air. But also send us your questions. We're going to be asking, answering questions here for those that are in the attendance. Um, but if you're not here, you can't ask it. 
So we'll be here. we're going to be here a few minutes longer. But I want to invite you out. Come on out. Be a part of it. You know how now. Get into the presence of God. And don't forsake the assembly of the body of Christ here in Harvest. We welcome you. Amen. As well. Uh, coming up right after I get done as we close, there will be an opportunity for you to give and sow into the work. So I would encourage you to do that as well. So that you can give uh, to support the work. We're going to continue to grow this program, grow the work that God has called us to do. And so with that, I thank you for your help and your support in Jesus' name. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful night in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to go. What do you think, Miss Stacy? Okay. Good. So next week we're gonna uh, jump into the next topic, knowing God. And uh, said one thing is we've got tons of scripture to back up and support everything we're saying and going to do, which is the best. To go through the Bible to understand the Bible, you need to be able to look at it from multiple places to look at it to understand it so that, and then see how it fits. Then how it starts to speak to you. So that's what I want to encourage you in as we as we're going. Grab them uh, those those scriptures and leave a ticket. You know, and I look at them through right now, but when you get home or later on in your study time or even in your devotion time, look at a scripture and look at how that relates on that whole on that topic. Okay. Amen. All right. Well, it's been a long day. We're going to get on our way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all good.